Okay, so hey guys, welcome to the new uh, live stream podcast version for uh, 2022. So today we've got, um, um, well, the couple of boys from Gladfish. And um, so basically we've got Ryan Ranavard, who's, uh, well actually in fact I'll let you guys do your introduction. So we've got Ryan, Hemansu and James. Um, and yeah, we're going to discuss property, UK property, the property market, everything property. Um, if you're coming to us from whichever uh, stream we're on, then feel free to type messages in to the chat. We can answer questions. Um, but apart from that, we're going to be having a chat. So sit back, enjoy, and we'll get started. But do you guys want to just want to give you a quick introduction to um, who you are, what you do? Yep. Yeah, I'm Ryan. I'm uh, one of the associate directors in the business. I've been around for just over 10 years now. Um, I assist investors in building their long-term portfolio. Um, <laughs> um, and yeah, my, my, my day-to-day job is to speak with clients, existing, new ones, joining on, uh, expanding their portfolio and really going through sort of building their long-term uh, pension plan through property. Cool. And how about Hamatsu? Yep, so my name is Hamatsu. I've uh, been in the business now since uh, 2014. Um, again, like Ryan, I speak to... Um, new clients, old clients, just trying to understand what their goals are, what their timelines are, and then try and help them come up with a strategy and a plan to help them execute those plans. Cool. And uh, James? Yeah, and uh, pretty much <laughs> pretty much the same as the other guys. I mean, I've been in the business now, um, I think it's just under seven years. I started in 2015. Um, I was actually brought on board uh, and headhunted by an existing member of staff who obviously saw the uh, the knowledge and the talent and what I could bring. No, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, my my role very much on the day to day, you know, sitting down with clients, talking all things property, looking at the market, coming up with plans and strategies, and obviously matching that to current market conditions. Um, yeah, and obviously very much the role is not just uh, at that stage. It's it's an ongoing process. So, you know, with a lot of clients, you, you end up spending a lot of time, especially on weekends and, uh, you know, all sorts of hours of the day, speaking to them, working through things. So, yeah, it's uh, very hands-on, but it's also very rewarding at the same time, especially when people come back to you and they say, yeah, you know, you made me, made me a bit of money there, James. Cool. So thanks for that. <laughs> yeah. Cool. And, um, and of course myself, so Brett Legwood, I've been in the property business for about, well, probably more than 30 years now. Um, and yeah, so we, as the business as a whole, we run about 1200 properties, we manage them, um, do everything for our clients from paying bills through to everything. Um, and the whole idea behind it is we, you know, work with clients to build their portfolios, build a strategy and, you know, do pretty much everything they can. And obviously one of the big things we're going to be talking about today, and I just realized that I've stuffed my, um, uh, four-part thing in. So let me just sort this out. So we've got all the boys on again. There we go. Um, and actually, it's got the wrong... Oh, you know what? Sorry, guys. I just realised. So you, we'll have a few technical issues, no doubt, today because this is the new software we're using. Um, but yeah, no. So effectively, what we one of the things we do is we, we do everything for clients. And basically, that involves strategy, structure, or sourcing property, researching property. And I guess what we want to do on a weekly basis now is really just guide you through the next 12, 18 months, um, you know, two years, which is likely to be going through a recession and likely to be going through increasing interest rates, increasing inflation, and all these sort of things, which, you know, for most people, if you're uneducated or you're starting out, you know, would mean that you just stay out of the market and you live in fear. 
Um, but if you understand what you're doing, then you realize that now's the time, as they say, be fearful when others are greedy and greedy when others are fearful. You know, and so we'll just be discussing what our thoughts are, what our experiences are, what the experiences of our clients are. I guess that's the big thing. So I guess, you know, why don't we start off? I mean, we've got lots and lots of articles and things like that we can discuss, but what's your general take on, um, let's start off with some politics just for the bit of fun of it. What's your feelings on um, the current state of politics in the UK? You know, so who wants to kick off? <laughs> Well, I'll start off then. Yeah. I mean, I guess from people looking outside, looking in, they probably think it's a bit of a mess. I was in the Philippines a couple of weeks ago uh, and I was outside having a drink and I was speaking to two people. Uh, one guy was from Malaysia uh, and he just started laughing at me when I said where I was from and said our country is a joke. Uh, I had to remind him of the prices in Singapore to let him know and uh, how, how uh, and in Malaysia as well how the prices are going up there and inflation is a global thing but you had to agree there has been a bit of a joke um, I think a lot of people have been disillusioned and not just in the UK I think globally um, you know you've got such partisan politics right now you've got people on the far left and you've got people on the far right and everything you're reading is so uh, extreme and I think what people seem to forget is most people sit in the middle Right, they like a bit of stuff on the left and they like a bit of stuff on the right. Yeah. So from a UK perspective, look, Rishi's come in now and for being Asian myself, everyone's like, he's the saviour and he's going to come in and save it. Let's see. I mean, look, he, he, he's from an economic point of view, he sounds better than Liz Truss and he's a lot better than um, Boris, good old Boris. Um, so I feel that he's there's going to be some tough times ahead, but he's going to put in things to help us bring inflation down and obviously try and grow the economy. See, I, I have a bit of a diff. I, I mean, I kind of get what you're saying there, but I actually disagree from the perspective that I think number one is Liz Truss. I think they're, they're, they're both tied with the same brush. Whether Truss or Rishi was in there, I think he's part of the billionaire class, and I think they're both, okay. you know, looking after themselves. And I think everything they're doing now in politics and across politics, and this is not just in the UK, we see this in most countries, certainly in Australia and the US, um, and I think he's part of that class where. He will look after him and his buddies. And so, you know, the question really, I guess, is how do we as, you know, everyday investors, um, you know, make the most of that, take advantage of that, avoid the down, you know, pitfalls of that, because are they going to be economically sound? Well, you know, at the end of the day, if they can make a buck for themselves and their buddies, you know, and, and that may sound pretty, um, you know, negative, but I think actually that is the reality right now is, you know, if, if you, you know, when I learned economics at school and at university, you know, it was not like it is now. Economics was a pure science. Now economics really is politics bastard or economics bastardized with politics almost. Am I allowed to say bastardized? I probably am. I'll get in trouble by the, uh, the, the monetization with uh, YouTube. But anyway, that's fine. What about you guys? Any, any thoughts on that? On the political side of things, um, yeah. I think look, the politic, political side of things are probably where it's always been. It just gets highlighted more uh, when you've got the power of social media and, and so on and so forth. They're all, you know, you'll find all their policies virtually, as you said, right, virtually there or thereabouts the same and always looking after himself. And I think from a property investment point of view, whilst you've got to keep an eye on the political side of things and where it's going and sometimes gives you a good indicator of which way to, to go, I, I I don't generally like to feed too much into the political side of things in making my investment decisions because there's always you know 
I'm buying that investment for the next 10, 15, 20 years. I'm not buying it for this four-year term or this two-year term of this particular prime minister or the next prime minister that comes in after it. Whether we've got a conservative government, a Labour government, ultimately life goes on and things, you know, will always seem worse than what they actually are in reality. Um, even if we're looking at sort of all the sensationalised figures that come out about, you know, property prices are going to drop if if the Labour government comes in and if the Labour government comes in this is going to happen or that's going to happen it is all a guessing game but ultimately what it comes down to is the fundamentals of property in the UK will always remain the same the lack of supply the massive demand for uh, for property yeah. um, and the other solid things that we have you know your your guy who laughed at you over in uh, when you were at the Philippines Mate, let, let, let's not talk too much about their their politics here at the moment. <laughs> you know, throwing from a glass house kind of situation. Um, ultimately, you know, we we have always been solid um, as as a country. Uh, we might have a bit of turbulence right now, but we'll always have turbulence. Uh, but ultimately, as a country, it is pretty solid uh, from all aspects. James, any thoughts? Yeah, I mean, just on that whole sort of uh, political circus element of it, I think um, we as a as a public will be kind of quick to forget the uh, the, the the period of of Liz, Liz Trust's uh, power in. I think what she did and what you know a lot of her mandates and a lot of the the policies that she wanted to introduce sounded great, you know, to the to the average Joe kind of person. And I think uh, in terms of getting her the votes, that's what people wanted to hear. But in reality, it was never what was needed, especially from an economic standpoint, um, you know, and and the sort of monetary policies that they were talking about. Uh, sorry, fiscal policies they were talking about were sort of completely at odds with what the Bank of England are trying to do, which is naturally trying to to curb inflation. Um, and then obviously we saw how the markets reacted to it. Uh, and it was just for a, a want of a better word, a big, uh, yeah, <laughs> a big yeah. storm. So I think. Now we can only see what Rishi's going to do. You know, as every politician does, they talk the big talk. So we'll have to wait and see see what happens. Yeah. And, I, you know, I think with this whole thing, you're right. I, I, I actually, we've been kicking the can down the road for really since, you know, the last you know, global financial crisis. I don't think the world necessarily um, did what we normally would do, which, you know, we would have a drop. And that drop would then be built out from what we did was we printed lots of money and we sort of kicked the can down the road and we kicked the can down the road when we had COVID. And I think that is unfortunately, to some degree, we're going to pay for that now, you know. And so that could be really, really bad. It could be, you know, extremely bad where we end up in a three or a four year or five year depression-y deflation, all that sort of stuff. Um, I would like to think that we're not going to go that bad. I mean, look, the, the problem we have, I think, with anyone right now is it doesn't matter what stats you look after, um, you know, what you look at, what you believe, you can get the evidence to prove that you're right, you know, yeah. that we can recover from this or we're going to go into a massive depression and knock it out and what's the only thing that's going to pull us out is, you know, World War Three, You know, there's there's the evidence for everything. So the question is, is where do you sit, you know? And, and unfortunately... The best you can do as an individual is look at your own situation, look at where your properties are or aren't, you know, and work out how you can make money and secure your property, you know. And, and I think the unfortunate reality is, is 
we're not all going to go out there and buy 10 properties tomorrow, not that we can anymore. You know, you have to play a bit of the conservative card because things could get worse, um, things could be better. James, you look like you're, uh, you're going to bed. What's your, uh, I mean, you guys are obviously chatting to all sorts of clients. A lot of our clients are, you know, they're um, career, you know, professionals, they're educated, you know, they're busy. What, what's the conversations you're having around the recession? What's the, what are the fears that are coming out of them? What, what's their big concerns, do you think? I mean, from the clients that I've spoken to, Brett, what I'm hearing more and more is, especially with everything that's in the news right now about, you know, um, rising interest rates, inflation, recession. People, are, some people, some people are, are quite scared. They're in the camp of, look, I want to wait and see what happens. Whereas you've got some clients that are like, look, lived through this before, you know, through global financial crisis, through Brexit, through COVID, and I've seen what property prices can do. Yeah. And if I'm buying for the medium to long term and I've got the capital, my job is safe, you know, then they're the ones that will jump in. It's those that I think are a bit scared of, is my job safe? Have I got enough money to support my family, you know, through all this? And they're the ones that are getting massively affected by the news. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's interesting because that's one of the things that we often talk about in our own portfolio strategizing with our clients is, you know, if you want to work out, and I think, a lot of people are having these conversations around, um, you know, interest rates, inflation, you know, all this sort of stuff, you know, which is t- totally natural. But the thing I find with the guys that I'm speaking to is that they're coming to us to do a portfolio review and they're sort of, I'm worried about inflation, I'm worried about interest yeah. rates, I'm worried about these sort of things. And I, I'll sit down and I'll go, right, well, send me, send me your spreadsheet. Obviously, we have portfolio spreadsheets for our clients where we have their values and their mortgages and their rents and their... You know, and it's Excel spreadsheet type thing. And it's not until we sit down and do the numbers that they actually get that level of confidence. And I think that's one of the big mistakes that a lot of investors make is they listen to the news, but without actually punching the numbers in, they believe, you know, that or they've got that fear around how they're going to react and how their personal circumstances. When actually some of the clients, I mean, I was looking at one of the clients the other day, you know, and they made over a million uh, pounds. And actually, they're, they're sitting quite pretty. Whereas I've got another one who actually um, has, you know, she's going through um, a medical treatment right now, um, and she's really concerned because if interest rates keep going up, she's going to get to the point where she's got lots of equity, but she hasn't got a lot of cash, you know. So everyone's different. And I think the important thing is, rather than listening to the news and fearing that, listen to the news and then go, okay, let me have a look at how my portfolio numbers really stack up. And I think that sort of next level of detail, that's something we do very well. But I think we can also take for granted that sort of thing. I, I don't know. Have you had client review, client reviews and things like that that you're doing? And that's the same thing. Yeah, case? we've had a fair, you know, a fair few client reviews naturally as soon as the interest rates went crazy on that, that day, yeah. <laughs> that famous day where everything just all of a sudden went from 3 4% up to about 7 8%, I think, mortgage. We had um, I think we had an overall number of five or six hundred uh, mortgage applications pulled. Um, so on the, the day after, the day half the aftermath was was literally sitting there and trying to calm clients down from wanting to sell the entire thing off and everything. And I think what what I found is is that there's a lot of scare 
sort of scare tactics and stuff being being chucked out there into the market from from a lot of different angles. Um, I don't know what the ultimate game is from from people doing that, but very quickly, as soon as you make people sort of sit down and they understand that, let's zoom out for a minute here, okay? Let's shut out all the white noises that, that is coming out from the media because ultimately in today's world, the extremes of either side is, is what people want to do to get those clicks and get those sales in um, of going, oh, yeah, no, everything's really bad or everything is, you know, super good or whatever. There's there's no objectiveness here of going, okay, this is just an economical cycle. This is what will happen. What we've been going on about Brett for, for the past, you know, since, since the company uh, started, the property cycle, things are no different today than it was 10 years ago, than it was, you know, 15 years ago and so on and so forth. Ultimately, that cycle is just going to follow itself. And once we've sat down and zoomed out, all of a sudden they've realized, well, actually, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not that bad. Now, yes, some properties are going to see a bit of tightness over the next couple of years. And we just have to plan and budget for that just, just you know, just for the, for, you know, as you would any time. You know, you have to plan for certain situations. That's why we massively sort of push you towards having your cash flow set up the right way, having your systems in place so that you know if this sort of market comes up, what do you do to counteract it? Well, look, actually, if my interest rates goes up to 6%, you know, well, when, when I bought this property, the guy's done a cash flow for me and then on a mortgage cost average and said, okay, interest rates are currently at 2%, but let's not calculate at 2%, let's calculate at 5%. And what does that do? That leaves you a buffer to keep aside. So when we hit this specific market, this specific time that we are in, you're able to keep hold of that property because all you've got to do is hold on for dear life, ride this out over the next year, maximum two years. And if it lasts beyond two years, then property is the worst, you know, the least of your problems will cut much bigger problems than your property portfolio. Um, and, and you just, you just write that. And that's pretty much the conversations I've been having with a lot of my clients. I mean, I manage over 456 clients. Um, and so, Every single one of those uh, those clients, you know, that, that conversations that I'm having with them is constantly reminding them, guys, zoom out, zoom out, zoom out, step yeah. away from it all, yeah. and block out, you know, you know, go into your little bubble for a minute, and and think that none of this and is going on, and just zoom out and, and see how the how your portfolio is doing, and forget everything else, and see what journey it's gone through, see Brexit, see COVID, some of them, you know, actually purchase previous recession so you know see how it's gone on why is it going to be any different because the fundamentals have not changed yeah 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 and i think that's it it's just on that topic of you know talking about zooming out um i think especially for the last 12 years people have been quite spoiled in the sense of interest rates have been low for such a long period of time um you know and actually that's not normal for for it to have been as low as it has been um, you know, obviously a huge part of that was because of the, you know, the, the 2008 crash. Um, and obviously we know that whenever they want to stimulate economic growth, you know, interest rates fall and so on and so forth. But that was never meant to be that long. And I think people are kind of sitting there thinking, oh, I've been on two and a half to one and a half percent interest rate for so long. But the reality is, you know, I think those days are gone. And I think eventually when we do 
come into the picture of okay inflation starts to to get you know it starts to become curved and it goes to that sort of two three maybe percent marker that the bank of england needs it to get to you know i think four four and a half percent interest rates going forward will, will pretty much be the norm um you know and, and that's kind of setting that expectation to, to people maybe if they're existing investors and they've already seen those periods it's easier for them to to understand but certainly for new investors who aren't used to this current situation uh that's something that you know we, we will obviously sit down and explain to them do you find uh do you find your like a, a bit of vindication if you like from what's going on now in terms of remember before we always used to have this argument with people between cash flow yields rental yields and growth and how we've always gone on about, you know, focus on the growth. The growth is where your real money is. <coughs> you, can, you can, to an extent, bank on if you bought this investment for the next 10 years. And we always had to fight these people that said, no, 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 yields, yields. I want 7%, 8% yields. I want 9% yields. How's your yields looking now with 6% interest rates? Yeah. You know, do, do you feel a bit of vindication when, when you see these sort of things come up and you say, haha, I was right. And I got, I got it right. Growth. Because growth, you can't take that away from me with 6% yield uh, uh, interest rates. I think the other thing is, too, I mean, if you look at, you know, the 3 plus 1 plan book, one of the concepts we talk about in there is is the mortgage cost averaging. And that's done at 6%, you know. And and so 6% is recognition that it may go above that, it may go above that. And that's the pay rate that you're going to be doing. So for a lot of us, we're not even at 6% yet. I know I noticed some of my mortgages, Northern Rock, I noticed them pumped up their mortgages. They're making a massive margin now, but they're bastards, you know. So, but anyway, um, but yeah, I mean, the reality is we used to do 6% and that used to be normal. In fact, I remember when we first started selling in the UK, if you wanted to buy a London property and leverage it up to, you know, 85, 80%, you actually putting money in. And I remember selling stuff in central London where the, the, the cost each month on the cash flow was about £350 out of your pocket because that was actually, you're funding that, but you're getting tremendous growth, you know. So we're kind of heading back towards what I just saw as the normal market in Australia, in Spain, in most of the places where, you know, the phase changes, but in certain phases, you know, you, you're, you are substituting the, the cash flow potentially. You know, now a lot of us aren't there yet, um, we may get there, and some of us, I think, are already negative. Um, but I think a lot of the – I know the, the, I've done four or five meetings over the last few weeks, and those meetings, in almost every case, the perception has been they're losing money now, but the reality has been not yet, yeah, because they were thinking, oh, my rate must have gone to six or whatever, but it hasn't actually gone there yet, you know, so, yeah. And, and Brett, just on just on that, obviously with inflation and stuff and, and stuff like that, I mean, you've obviously seen rents going up as well, right? Renewals are coming up now. Have you seen a massive increase in rents? Yeah. I, I, look, we've seen anywhere from sort of five up to thirty percent increases. Now, the challenge we have right now is that it's all great to say you can, um, you know, that the market has gone up thirty percent, but if you've got an existing tenant in there. That tenant who can afford X amount, all of a sudden now, if you say your rent's now 30% more, they can't afford to move with this. And this is where inflation is the greatest thief around, you know, because what that's effectively doing, you used to be able to live here, but because now the rent has gone up, 
your, your income hasn't gone up with it. So you actually need to move down the property ladder in terms of the place where you live. So rather than living in this area, you need to move out further out because you can't afford to live there anymore. You know, and, and it's all great for the, you know, uh, renters and the politicians to say, oh, you know, rent restrictions and all that sort of stuff. But the problem is the moment you do that, people pull their supply off the market, then rents drive up even further. And this is where, you know, a lot of the decisions being made by the government are just ridiculous. They're there to win votes, but they then turn around and bite the tenants in their ass. you know. Um, and that's what's happening. I mean, you know, we're seeing this all the time. It's interesting. We've now stopped the renewals that we're doing only because if we stop the renewals now for the next three weeks, then even if a tenant gives notice, like if a tenant gives notice now, they're moving out right before Christmas. So what we're doing is we've stopped it now until December, and then we'll continue on with the renewals um, so that we get people on the other side of Christmas, you know. But the the reality is a lot of our te- a lot of our landlords now are saying, my, you know, if I don't raise my rents, then I'm going to be losing a substantial amount of money, which is creating a lot of stress. That's not talked about by a lot of people, you know. Certainly not in the media, and certainly not by politicians, and certainly not by generation rents and all these sort of people. Um, but that's the reality of the market now. If the government wants to fix it, I, I do. The um, housing local communities, um, uh, I've forgotten her name now, a new one. They change that often. Um, you know, she did a, a, a speech the other day, and the big thing she said was she wanted, you know, to make sure it's fair for both sides. But she said she realised that restricting rents is not the answer. Building more properties is the answer. Well, they're going to struggle with that because number one is try getting developers finance right now. Try, you know, getting any sort of finance. Try making sales right now. You know, so it, it's going to, if anything, rents are going to continue to go up, which is good news um, for landlords because it will offset the increases in interest rates. And then, of course, as interest rates start to come down, those rents won't necessarily come down with it. So, you know, that's a positive side for landlords. But yeah, A new normal will be set in terms of the rent values and, and it will sort of kick up from there pretty much. What, what, what's interesting about all these conversations that have been coming out over the past few weeks about rent control and stuff like that, and, and uh, I hear this uh, renters union has begun, uh, a tenants union, I think, or, or something or the other has begun and stuff. What are, and this is probably going to be very controversial and, and, and unpopular to say, but what I'd like to do is sit down and have a debate with this person and say, let's pull up all the renters and let's see how many of these renters are actually you know, financially savvy, know how to control their cash flow, know how to control their money before they start screaming and crying about this rents are going up and rents are, and landlords are just milking it at this stage. Are they really milking it? If their interest rate has gone up by 6%, it's gone up to 6%, sorry, and their mortgage payment has all of a sudden gone from a £1,000 a month to £2,000 a month. So therefore, they have to increase it. And on top of that, another thing which people aren't really sort of focusing on is the other costs that are going to go up now with it as well. The cost of insurance that they have to pay. You know, the insurance premiums have gone up. The service charges have gone up because they have to now pay more for that person to go and fix the place. What these activists are not looking at is, is let's look at the entire picture. These renters that are complaining about the rents going up, as you said, Brett, well, what they need to really look at is look at their cash flows and maybe they can't afford to rent in Kensington anymore. Yeah. So they have to step outside and go into rent in Reading. 
you know, which is why for us as a company, we, we've been foreseeing this for a long time in terms of London, especially saying that, you know, if you earn less than a household earns less than £50,000 a year, you can't afford to live in London. You shouldn't be living in London. You should be living in Reading. You should be living in Slough. You should be living in, you know, on the commuter belt in, in Watford, for example. You should be living in Watford. Why should you be living in Watford? Because you'll pay half the rent, but you'll commute into London in 15 minutes. And that's not quicker. That, you saying that, that's not a, a moral decision against that person because they can't afford it. That's a financially astute decision for that person. Mm. You know, I mean, I mean sure, we're not, if, if they want to live in London, they're going to do whatever they need to do to afford to live in London, fine. But the problem is mm. a lot of people see it as their right to live somewhere. Mm. And unfortunately, mm. the government hasn't set up a system like that. And you know what? If they want to set up the system like that, then they really need a political party like the Chinese political party. But then the problem is, is then you might get be the person that has the right to work the land rather than live in London. You know, the system we have, which is flawed and, you know, and isn't beautiful, um, actually, free market works relatively well, you know, within reason. And I'm not, you know, I agree there should be regulations and that sort of stuff. But, you know, you mentioned costs going up. I mean, yeah, you've got all these other costs going up, but you've also got all the regulation that's coming out. You know, they're talking about taking away Section 21s. Now, you know what? Our landlords never use Section 21s. I've never, I haven't seen it where... A landlord goes, oh, you know what, just get the tenant out because I don't really want them anymore. No, you know, if anything, like even with these renewals, it's like um, your rent's gone up to $18.50. They're currently paying $14.50, yeah, so, but your the RPI will take you to, you know, $15.50, say, and they'll say, well, I don't want to lose the tenant, so, you know, I'm happy to go with $15.50. And we're like, are you sure? Because that's, you know, that's $1,300 less than what the market's paying. No, no, I'm happy with that. That's normally the response we get more than, yeah, get the, you know, get the tenant out. You know, I don't care about their situation. I don't care that they've been living there for years. You know, we don't see that. You know, so yes, there is examples of that, but that's the extreme. By far the majority are good people that are there and they literally just want the tenant to pay the rent. The unfortunate reality is tenants now think that it's their right not to pay rent. You know, so we're telling all of our, um, our tenant, our landlords, that they've got to take rent and legal now. You know, we've just hired debt collectors that, that you know, are going to go after the tenants to collect debt because the number of tenants just leaving and saying, I'm out, I, I know I owe 8000 bucks, but catch me if you can. And so unfortunately yeah. now we have to catch them as they can. You know? and that's, that's, that's the culture that it creates with all these different things. Uh, you yeah. know, on, on, on your point, most of the landlords, we, we you know, most of the clients we speak to now, the, the question really is around, you know, is this sustainable? I actually, from my mortgage point of view, you know, if I get 1500 versus the market is showing 1900 I'll be okay. You know, let, let's get that in and make sure my tenant continues to pay rent. And most of the investors, they're not your money grabbing sort of, they're hard working individuals who have saved very financially savvy and are just trying to protect their future. They've decided they've made the very right decision to not trust pension funds and not trust funds and take their financial future into their own hands and into their own control. And they should not be punished because you have a whole generation that misused their money. I can 
probably guess most of them that got, you know, were on furlough or whatever and managed to save up a bit of money didn't decide to go and purchase a property and instead decided to go buy the latest iPhone or the latest clothes or the latest shoes or the late go on a holiday straight away after and pay five grand and go away. They weren't financially savvy and now they're stuck in a situation of saying, oh my God, my rent has gone up and now I'm going to cry and let's start a union and get these rents controlled. Rent control isn't going to help you because what is rent control really going to do? And say, well, actually, mortgage costs are here. This is here. Rent control at 2000 a month. You still can't afford it. But I think more than that, even if the rent controls come in, it just restricts the market that's available, which means it drives up the rents even higher. You know, it, it's this is basic supply and demand. And when you break it down to that, you're not helping them by doing rent controls. They've never worked anywhere mm. you know i've not seen a single case study anywhere in any government in any any country where rent controls have actually worked you know um but yeah i mean i'm sure people will say oh but look at xyz you know i mean probably the only place that gets close that i've seen is the scandinavian company the countries you know sweden or, or norway those sort of places but there are parts of australia maybe sorry Parts of Germany, maybe, that it worked a little bit, I think, but not, not really as much but, as it should have. But then you look at the other side of it, which is, which is okay, fine, Germany, you can say it does. But then Germany, you've got a crap load of places that don't get any money spent on them, you know, because yeah. the, the landlords don't have the money. I mean, you know, there's, there's a whole different system as well, too, there. You know, so it's hard to do apples for apples because the German system is slightly, and same with the Scandinavian system. It's very, there's other factors you've got to take into account there. You know, but yeah. So yeah, um, yeah. I mean, look, we can talk forever on that sort of stuff. But I think, yeah. you know, for me, it's it's about um, if if you're concerned, then getting the data. And you know, you said you said about zooming in. What I'm saying is, yeah, by all means, keep your your mentality zoomed out to the bigger picture. But actually, zoom in quickly, get all your data in line, and once you've got that in line, that even gives you the confidence to know you're going to be fine. Or it'll give you the tolerances to know at this point I need to change something. Or it basically gets you to the point where you go, you know what? Um, I need to do something now. I need to do ABC strategy. I need to sell this. I need to increase the rent on that. I need to whatever, you know, look at other alternatives. I mean, and, and there is, there is circumstances. You know, we've got a client right now that I'm working with who's just put three houses on, on the market. Not because they have to sell three, but we figured she needs to get rid of one. And because she needs to get rid of one, um, we put three on in the, whichever one sells, it doesn't matter. And then we can pull the other two off, you know, and that'll get her enough equity to see her through the next two or potentially three years, you know. So, um, yeah, but I think get that, you know, get that detail in place now and make the decisions now. In actual fact, you know, we've been saying this now for six months. So really you wanted to do it sort of six, 12 months ago. Um, and then you wouldn't have had any stress or had limited stress. You know, so yeah. Um, let's take a look at some of the um, the articles that are about right now. So let's uh, let me just see what we've got here. Uh, right. So house prices uh, in their steepest fall since February 21. Global inflation may be nearly peaking as it happened. So any thoughts on that, guys? Who wants to go first? I can go in and let me see what it says. I'll, I'll zoom in a bit more. Well, that's the headline. How much has it actually dropped by 
you know, month on month? Is it like 0.1% growth? It's gone yeah. down by 0.1, was it? Or 0.2%, so this is, was it? Yeah, around the average 0. price 4. is around 0.4% in October, year on year, right? Yeah, it's it's 0.4, yeah, yeah. That's right. Oh, sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, we're going to go into a period now with, with the news where you're going to constantly get this, but then when you actually read the articles itself, you'll see that, okay, it's a 0.4% drop based on, you know, either on the previous month or um, based on based on last year, this time last year, it had increased by this much or, or whatever. Look, is there, are, are we asking the question of, are we gonna have a correction in property? I think it would be pretty naive to say otherwise. I think we are, we are probably gonna have a correction. How big that correction will be, I can't see it higher than 10% at, a, at an absolute maximum. Um, depending on where it is, obviously you've got some places in central London that if their prices, you know, are, are quite high up there. So when they, they take a dip, it might bring the overall average down. Sorry, uh, take the average of, of the drop a bit higher. But I think overall in places that we certainly invested in terms of your, what we call your everyday man home, places where your, you know, 70, 80% of the market is going to rent or buy as a first time place, yeah. you will not see as, as a huge of the growth. But I think what, what this tells you now is that you can't take a broad look when it comes to your investment. You have got to be very specific in terms of what parts of that area you're going into. You can't just go, I'm going to buy a London property and just go and pick any area in London to buy a property. You have to be specific in what you invest in. Because if we look back at the previous recession, for example, you know, places like Hackney continued to grow during the recession. Yeah. Why was that the case? Because it was already down, investment was going into it, regeneration was in place, fundamentals were right. So there was no need for that property prices to, to drop. But your Kensington or your Chelsea took a massive hit, um, you know, and, and it'll be the same again in this market. With the added difference, now we have two other cities in Birmingham and Manchester that have stepped up to being a world city. So they come into the mix now. And it's like, OK, where do I choose to put my money? And even if you choose Manchester and Birmingham, what part of Birmingham? What yeah. part of Manchester? Where is it good to invest? And I think if you stick to those things, these these things won't really matter in the long run. And, and it's interesting. And also, I think, oh, sorry. Go ahead. So I was going to say, no, also, if you're looking to do this for the short term, so the next six to 12 months, then listen, property yeah. is not the right asset class for you. Yeah. It's all about medium to long term. And that's what property has <clears> always been. It's not about getting rich quick. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, what do you guys think? Same. Agree. I'm sure you all agree with that, right? Absolutely. 100%. Absolutely. 100%. And, and in fact, you, you wouldn't want to... It's interesting because you know, I'm in Australia right now and um, uh, for Christmas and that. And then I'm, um, so I've been chatting to a few guys about you know buying and renovating and that sort of thing. The problem right now in Australia is number one is to buy something. Okay, there's still a good, it's still a pretty hot market right now. Okay, then it's to try and get a builder. Yeah, now th- this is not the builder due to a price. This is a builder get to get a builder to start work. Yeah, and commit to it is bare near impossible. And you're talking. You know, somewhere between three and a year, you know, three months and a year to actually get them to build and, and could even be longer depending on where you are. And then the other thing is, is they're not going to commit to a price. 
So normally when I when I did bought stuff and I did it up and I sold it, I knew you know I got in, I knew how much it was going to cost. I had the builder you know there, and half the time before even I I completed on the property, I'd have the builder there, I'd get permission to go in and do the work. You know now you can't do that. So that strategy is virtually out the window. You know and and we're seeing this across the thing where actually you know it's very hard to make money quickly. I mean. It's interesting, you know, a couple of my mates, I'm on one of my, my chats, you know, my WhatsApp chats, um, on tech, you know, talking about tech investing, investing in tech companies, you know, and it's like, yeah, tech companies is not where you want to be. I mean, have you seen how much they've dropped? I mean, properties actually held up pretty well compared to some of those bloody tech things. Holy shit. Excuse the French, you know, but yeah. Um, so yeah, I agree. Anyone who's looking short term right now wants to get in and make money is stupid, but you know, be greedy when others are fearful and fearful when others are greedy. Now is not, you know, if now is the fear, now's the time to start being greedy because you can start negotiating better prices. You can start negotiating better terms. You can start, you know, getting into better areas and certainly, you know, if some of those areas drop. But I, I agree. We changed our, you know, if you went into the global financial crisis, we were selling property all around the UK. After going into that, we stopped selling everywhere. We focused on London, we focused on Manchester, we focused on Birmingham, you know, not all at the same time, but, you know, progressively, um, you know, and because we've done that, now I'm a lot more confident going into this recession, okay, um, than I was with the past recession, because to be yeah. fair, there's still a lot of places in the UK that have had no investment, and now they're talking austerity again, well, we just come out of a decade of austerity, you know, it's like, that's not going to help at all, and those areas that don't have the funding are screwed. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of key differences between what this oncoming recession will look like compared to you know the one we had in 2008. And um, I read a I read a uh, stat the other day, <clears throat> and it mentioned that currently at the moment the 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 rate of ownership of people that own property unencumbered mm-hmm. is sort of 30 percent higher than it was back when we had the 2008 recession. So people have a lot more equity in their property. And also part of that is we know since the last recession, banks have been a lot tighter with their lending criteria is making sure that, you know, back in the day, people could put down 100% mortgages, no, not to put any money in the deal. Um, Whereas now you have to have some equity in the deal. So then you also couple that with, again, for the last, what, five, six years, they've been stress testing already at six five and a half percent so you know from that side of things we are a lot better prepared going into this recession um and the other thing as well and you know when i read a lot of these headlines when you see 30 percent drops in prices it's like yeah but where are we talking about here because often one of the biggest misconceptions is that people sort of have this idea that the property market moves as sort of one single entity and we know that it doesn't you know we know that you've got to really kind of separate that and actually look at where specific areas are within their cycle because like we said well ryan said earlier yeah if you're talking about a kensington or a chelsea which is you're paying over a million pounds whatever for the odd property versus the the average affordability then yeah places like that are going to be more affected whereas if we go into what we would call the more everyday person areas um which are still heavily underpinned by that supply and demand factor then yeah look you may still get those small corrections but Certainly from a long-term perspective, they are better set up to grow and they are also more protected. So 
it's these kind of nuances that you, you, you also need to get into that detail with when you especially speak with clients. Yeah, I mean, get local. Now, that's, that's the principle I've always had. If, you know, rather than listening to what the house price indices say, yeah, look at your specific area. And in fact, that's not even enough. Look at your specific suburb, your specific town, your specific street. And even in places like London and a lot of places, it's, it's which end of the street. You know, we yeah, used to live market. on a street which one end was multi-million pound houses and the other end was council flats, you know. So you could look at the average. The average was, you know, 400,000, 500,000. But actually, this end of the street, you know, was two, three million pound houses. You know, so you've got to get local. You've got to get that. What's, um, so what's everyone's thoughts about um, this, you know, global inflation may be nearing its peak? IMFs, you know, blah, blah, blah. Any thoughts on that? Well, did we, did we have a slight drop? I read something a, a couple of weeks back where inflation has started to go down. I mean, not significantly, but I think it went down from like 10.1% to 9.8%. So it depends what we're talking about now with inflation because um, if we got right there, where are we? If we got right now, if we have a look at CPI, so this is consumer price index. Yeah. Uh, it's 8.8% September. The next one's out the 16th of November. Okay, so we've got another week, and uh, so probably next week's show we'll talk about the the results of that. But yeah, it's it's certainly been shooting up. It, it looks like it's been shooting up there from that that data. However, yeah. and the other side of it is is so 8.8 is the um, is the CPI. But if we come down uh, a little bit further. Where is it? A little bit further? A little bit further, is it? No, maybe, sorry. I might have to be on the next page. Did I? Hold on. Where's RPI? I had, oh, I've got it highlighted here. <laughs> so, you know, 12.6% is the RPI, the Retail Price Index. Yeah. But actually, if you look at this, um, the rates of increase have started to come down. So yeah. rather than it continuing to go up rapidly, it's actually started to come down now a little bit. Yeah. So effectively, what that means now is that we're hoping to see it taper off. And I guess next week, if it continues to taper off, that's good news because that lets off the the you know the interest rate push. But I know in the US, Jerome Powell has basically said he's going to make sure he starves off inflation by almost overcompensating, because what he's saying is he's got very little tools to stop inflation from getting out of hand. But if inflation, if deflation starts happening, he's got lots of tools that he can work with. So that's going to be, you know, that's going to be an interesting thing there, you know, to see how far and how long um, they go. But, you know, I mean, we're seeing in the crypto markets, you know, they're really getting hit hard. We're seeing in the the, you know, the shares and, and stocks are getting hit really hard. Tech has been, well, I won't say destroyed, but, um, you know, it's had its real, you know, Facebook and all the, the big boys have stopped recruiting and are letting people go, which is... Well, 11,000, 11,000, how many people is it? 11,000 people, I saw an article today that they're yeah. getting rid of. Yeah. They thought that during COVID, people, the increase of traffic on Facebook was going to increase to grow, are going to carry on growing. So they hired loads of people post COVID and, He's come out and said he made a mistake. Did you guys see how um, totally um, uh, 
how Elon Musk fired um, his staff. Oh, yeah. yeah. I don't know whether it was real or not, but it's pretty friggin' full on. I don't know if I can find the... Um, where is right, he's still got his signed uh, autobiography. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> oh, really? Uh, yeah, I was just looking at that. But yeah, it's uh, it basically it basically had a, a meme, and it basically said, uh, you know, your time has come to fly the fly the nest. You're fired. You know, <laughs> and that's <laughs> it. It's just like, yeah, wow, thank you. Was that, was that like a play on words? Because Twitter being the bird symbol yeah. and nest and things. Like yeah, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was definitely a play on. Yeah, but um, no. So let's let's take a look at another um, uh, another article. So when will house prices fall? Any thoughts on this? You know, analysts say as much as fifteen percent. I mean, this is the stupid thing: is which analysts saying this? Uh, because that's kind of the important thing. And is it really important? I mean, the thing I find, you know, you've got the Bank of England saying thirty percent. You've got these guys. I haven't even looked to see who they are nationwide saying fifteen percent. But again, they're using this house price indices saying, you know, that's what's going to be everywhere. Um, who knows? What, what's, what's your thoughts on house Well, price? what did they say after Brexit, when we announced Brexit? They said prices were going to drop by 20, 30%. What did they say during COVID? They're going to drop by 20, 30%. What yeah. happened during the global financial crisis? How much did they actually drop by then when banks ran yeah. out of money? I think it was like, what, 15 to 15%, wasn't yeah. it? 15 to 20% in dependent? In London. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's what we talk about the realistic worst case, you know, because it's very rarely ever the worst case. But the headlines look for the worst case. And you see this yeah. in this, you know, the, the newspapers, they look for the expert that's going to say either it's going to grow massively or it's going to fall massively. But not the expert that predicts the average, you know. But that's yeah. sensationalism themselves, you know. And unfortunately, yeah. Yeah. most people listen to the sensationalism. Interesting, I find now is it's it's almost the elder generation, which is scary, but I sort of classify myself for that in there now. <laughs> yeah, even though I'm only forty nine, but but it, but it's interesting because they go to news sources, paper, you know, whatever's that sort of stuff, you know, BBC, Guardian, blah blah blah. But it's amazing. Everyone I know, young guys now, they're TikToking, they're you know doing social media and finding the news via that. So it'd be interesting to see how that changes social media and the TikTok generation and the, you know, short, sharp bits generation. I mean, the problem with journalism now, I find with, with going to the papers and the BBCs and that sort of stuff, I got rid of my paper subscription because there wasn't this journalistic anymore. It was opinion pieces and everything's an opinion that. piece now, you know, yeah. I don't know if you guys find the same thing. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Journalism has just been all about, it's just about pushing agendas. It's just about, yeah. like you said, creating sensationalism. There's very rarely any truth in it um, in most aspects, especially when it comes to things that are very complex, like economics and housing and stuff like that. You know, no one knows at the end of the day. And if you said to me, when house price is going to drop, I'd say, well, how long's a piece of string? Because yeah. nobody actually knows. No one has that ability to, to know it. Um, and when it does already happen, you know, you'll probably know about it after. That's yep. the reality of it. Yep. Yep. And also, and also I think the scary thing is, you know, when you're taught in, in school, you, whenever you're trying to look at anything from, from a historical point of view, you look at source A, source B and source C, and then you make your decision based on that. Right now you're looking at source A, source B and source C. They're so different that you don't know 
what is the real truth, right? So we are living in no. pretty scary times right now. Yeah, it, it is bloody hard. You know, it is bloody hard to know what the truth is. And, and unfortunately, you know, you, to, to go and fact check every little thing just doesn't, you know, it, it takes too much time. So you kind of... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, I mean, how much, how much time, yeah, you need to do that. But I, I just, it's ridiculous <laughs> now. It's so hard. What about, um, I mean, I suppose a good news story from our perspective is that uh, new build growth outperforms existing homes by 20%, you know? Yes. I mean, we cop a lot yeah. of flack. Yeah, we cop a lot no. of flack from people saying, oh, new builds, they're not worth, they're overvalued, they're this, that. But it is a cycle, you know? And the positive mm-hmm. thing now is they're not building enough new builds, but there's a lot of demand for new builds. So, yeah. What are your thoughts? Wait until next year when when the CHP uh, sorry the um, uh, ECP certificate uh, rating moves up for for uh, properties that you want to rent out. I believe it's going to a C band now. Yep. Is it? Next yeah, year? correct. Yeah. What no, you'll find is twenty five. I think it is, isn't it? It's not next year. I is thought it, it was next year. I'm, I, I, I might be wrong. Yeah, I, I was. That is next year, but either way, it's going up. Whether it's ne- next year or the year after, um, it's heading up. And what you'll find is that gap between new build and older properties is going to get even bigger uh, in terms of price point. Not only from a, a aesthetical look and all that sort of stuff, from an energy point of view, the yeah. 2025, yeah, 2025. Yeah. So. See or above, it is pretty hard to get your 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 place and an older property to a C rating, yeah. and the amount of money that it costs, taking into account how much the cost of uh, materials and everything has gone up, it almost become unviable for those older houses to be held as a buy to let investment, and you're probably better off selling it or knocking it down and rebuilding it again. Yeah, and the new built market, and and I think. The world that we're going into, they'll start getting smart to the idea uh, in that you need to have your property. When when, when people keep smashing the, the the new build and saying, "Oh, but if I buy this older older house, I'm going to, you know, I'm buying it 100k cheaper than this new build." Well, let's take into account how much you have to spend to refurb it to get it up to the same standard of that new build, yeah. uh, to be able to get the same rents as the new build will get you. When regulation changes kick in, how much can you, you know, how much money is it gonna cost you to get it within regulations? In addition, what your new builds will offer you is way more to your tenant, things like gyms, we work spaces, you know, coffee uh, bars, and we've got a development now that's even put in rooftop cinemas, uh, rooftop gyms and this and that. Everything that your young working professional wants within their lifestyle, that, that lifestyle that they want to have, having at their doorstep a gym, having at their doorstep a, a coffee place they can sit down, a bar, a cinema, a, you know, all these sort of amenities, is, it was all, always going to be a matter of time that the, uh, the market was going to move in an upward direction. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, I, I 100% agree, you know. I mean, it, it's, you know, we cop a lot of flack because, yeah, there is a new build premium on a lot of stuff. There is a phase of the market where new builds are, are more expensive than the, you know, the secondhand stuff. But I think everything is pointing towards, you know, having energy efficiency, you know, all that sort of stuff. And, and as that takes hold, 
which is really now starting to take hold. You know, tenants yeah. are even asking us, you know, and they're getting, they're getting the energy performance certificate, even though I think the energy performance certificate is a ridiculous, uh, con, it's a great concept, but it's just poorly implemented, you know, but yeah. Brad, have you seen this question from Red? From who? Some, I, I don't know, on, on the chat I see in the comments. Sure, sorry, I arrived late, maybe already covered. My units purchased in London, Elephant and Castle Royal, Arsenal, Kidbrook have all come down in price since 2017. So I'm hoping the recession doesn't affect London too much as the property prices has already come down significantly. Yep. Uh, based on what, have, have you, is this based on a remortgage that you went in, Chi, and, and you saw the, the value came in under down value? Because there's two different situations we have here right now in, in valuations across London. Is that what we're finding is values that are going in, they've got their own opinion of the market and they're, they're putting in some silly valuations on, on places. In fact, one of my properties got that uh, for a remortgage with the existing lender. The valuation went in, the value came back and put it down as a value of zero and an unsuitable property to lend on. Mm-hmm. To which the lender themselves, and I've never seen this before, Brett, the BDM sent an email saying, you don't know what you're doing. We have already got borrowing on this property. We know it's perfectly suitable. Go on to do your job and give us a proper valuation. Um, and, and that's what we're finding. So I don't know whether the true value of the property is dropped or are you talking about when you went in for a remortgage and, yeah. and the value had unvalued it based on their opinion of where the market is heading towards? Yeah, because actually, look, L- London hasn't necessarily dropped in price. It hasn't done a lot since Brexit. I mean, Brexit killed the London market. But it was already at the top. So, so it was at the top at the same time as Brexit sort of come about. So it had a period where it, it, it grew and then it sat around. And I would have expected it to grow now, but obviously, you know, Brexit and then we had COVID when we thought, I thought, okay, London's, you know, going to come back. And actually, but now London is still, you know, it's, it, as far as I've seen from prices, they're not dropping yet. What we are seeing, as, as Ryan said, is values are coming in. And one of the, one of my mates I was chatting to, 28 units in a development, um, 25 of them, um, which are all sold for investment, got zero rating, uh, values. So, which just destroyed all those sales. So he's now concerned that that development is going to fall over. He's going to lose it because the, um, the, uh, lender, the value has come out and said they're not, they're not mortgageable, you know, and yet, they are. There's nothing wrong with the properties. It's just that whoever was the the company that did that, and the problem now with the exit two system, with the surveyor's system, is once that goes on a one, that's available. That valuation is available for all. So then the next person doesn't want to second guess what the first person did, you know. And we're seeing this. You know, we're seeing down values. We're seeing, you know, because we saw this in the global financial crisis when valuers. They were valuing what the market value was, but then when the market dropped, they then lost their jobs and got struck off and couldn't get PI insurance because they said they misvalued. So the reaction to that was they just downvalued, you know. Yeah. And and what they try and do, yeah, they preempt the market now. So we're seeing down values on stuff that, you know, it's a proper negotiation, willing buyer, willing seller, you know, proper marketing. Come together, choose a price, and the and the valuer says that's not what it's worth. Well, actually, that is 
by definition, by the Red Book rules, which governs how they um, do it. But unfortunately, what happens is the mortgage companies now are saying, we want it downvalued. You know, we want to take away that, that risk of, and you know, and it's, you know, five, ten percent that they're dropping that, that valuation, or they're just saying it's not, it's not mortgageable, which is ridiculous. But yeah. Um, so I was going to move on to, um, house prices, because I think one of the things with house prices too, okay, um, it's very easy. Let me see if I can just zoom in here, which I can. Good. Um, so if we have a, wait there. Here we go. Yeah, so if we have a look, so this is nominal house prices by country. So when we compare, you know, if you're sitting in the UK right now and saying, oh, house prices are so expensive. Well, spare a thought for all these other countries which are above that. Yeah? Because the reality is, you know, if you're sitting in Turkey right now, well, you can see what's uh, happened here. Nominal house prices up here. And this, this uh, diamond underneath is the rent side of things. So you can see prices versus rent, there's a massive disparity there. You know, but when you come to the UK, you know, it's, you know, it's in the lower, you know, to mid half, you know, Australia's next door, which I'm surprised I find Australia bloody expensive, but you know what? It's, you know, it, I get it, you know, um, Germany, you can see here, you've got Canada, United States. So my take on this is that actually when you talk about how far prices have to drop, from a world market perspective, actually, United Kingdom is fairly priced. And the reason I think that this is the case, we used to be up this end. But I think what's happened is because of austerity, because of the lack of growth in a lot of areas, okay, um, you know, really it's only the London and the Manchester, Birmingham's and a few other, you know, areas with really good fundamentals that are seeing the growth. And I think that's really important, you know. I mean, it's, you know, you can sit here and say, well, actually, prices are going to drop 30%. But what is that based on, you know? Um, and this is this is the thing. When you look at the stats and when you look at the data, then you've got to look at where you're invested or where you're investing. If you're investing in an area with fundamentals, with growth that's happening, with funded regeneration, with all these sort of things, actually, 30% is a hell of a lot of a drop. You're more likely to see maybe a knee-jerk reaction where they drop 10 or 15, but then they come straight back up. And that's what happened in London, in you know, Central uh, Zone 1 London, in the last global financial crisis. It may have dropped 30%, but it jumped back up pretty quickly. And then it barnstormed. And understand that's the key here too, is if you're thinking of selling right now at the worst time in the market, just remember what happens after this, yeah? Income's getting driven up right now. Rents are getting driven up. So as the rents and the income get driven up, okay, when we come out the other end, those places with the fundamentals, now the affordability gap is closed and that allows house prices to grow further. Yeah. So we see that when we come out of this recession, which may be a year, maybe two years, normally on average it's two years, you know, first six months is going down, then it sort of settles along the bottom and then it, you know, can come back up. Uh, but, you know, it'll sit at the bottom for the two years until everyone loses their job quickly. Then they get back into the job. Then they become productive in the job. And only after they're productive in the job do we get out of the recession. And that's the general state of, you know, the way recessions happen. Now, it may be a three-year or four-year or five-year recession, you know, but that's a, 
that's more of a deflationary depression, probably, you know, you call it. Um, do I think it's going to happen? No, I think we'll probably, you know, do our two years. Um, but the interesting thing is when you come out, that's when we're going to see the next boom, you know. So you've got to go through this to get to the next boom, and then you'll see growth. So, Chi, you mentioned about your properties. Now, it's clear the, um, the, the comments aren't actually working right now. Um, they're not coming through to, to us. So but that's fine. But yeah, it's you. The 2017 was when things stopped growing in London, and they haven't really done anything since then. So even if they've dropped, it may be five percent, or it could just be the their value up. But yeah, um, I think I think she just said it's based on uh, internet searches, and again, you can't really. Oh yeah. Okay. You can't make the decisions based on just searches and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, speak to a I'm on a get value property. Yeah. I think just to touch on the other point you just made as well is. Like a lot of people have, you know, will sell property because they're scared, not because they have to. Don't, sca- yeah. don't sell anything because you're scared of anything. I mean, look at those people that sold crypto sh- just before COVID started because they all wanted to get their money out. And look what happened to crypto towards the end of the year. They were ticking themselves. So we probably, probably if you don't probably need to talk, sell it. Probably shouldn't talk about crypto today after um, FTX. Not today, and, um, but yeah, like, yeah, yeah, what happened <laughs> yeah. But, um, but I mean, yeah. that's, it's been an amazing thing to watch with that crypto market. Um, you know, and, and yeah, yet a lot of people begrudge it and say that it's, you know, it's, it's, you know, in its death nail. Actually, I, I don't think that at all, but that's for another discussion. Um, so a couple more things I just wanted to bring up. Um, so this is, so I think this is really important. So this is one of the big frustrations that we're having right now, which is, let me just get this up. Where are you? There we go. So this is an article I wrote. So you can go to gladfish.com and read this article. And I recommend if you're an investor owning a property out there now, you go out and you work out what is registered on land registry. Have a read of this article, okay? Um, it's quite a long article. If you're working with us, then, yeah, unfortunately, you need to do that. Um, but basically, check you've got the contract there. Check the um, what the notices term says. Download your t- registry, um, your um, title register extract. Um, cost three bucks. Just go through this because if your address, your current address isn't in there, or the address of someone like Easy Track, um, if you're working with us, then our details are there somewhere. Here they are that you can use, um, and you can register the email address and that, which means you can be contacted. What we're finding a lot now is there is a whole industry, okay. Um, and it's, you know, where basically, if you don't pay your bill on time, they, they send it to the property, not to you, okay? And because they're sending it to the property, the tenant won't pass it on, and then next thing you know, there's late fees, and the next thing you know, there's legal proceedings, and possession hearings, and everything like this, yeah? And what ends up happening, if you haven't got your address there, you will may, you may not be told, okay? So it's really important, that you register and you make sure, and if you're buying a property, make sure that your solicitor in the notices section of the contract, of the agreement you're signing, puts your address that you can be contacted at, that you're going to stay at. And if you move, you have to go through land registry and change it for every single property you own. Okay? So it's you know really important that you, you do this because if you don't do it, yeah, the potential is, you know, we've had bills of... We've had bills of about seven grand, you know, um, but, you know, they just, they vary, but it's ridiculous what they charge now. So, yeah. 
so that's just a, a, a you know an article to read. Um, was there anything else you guys wanted to cover? That's yeah, it for today, right? Uh, yeah, we've been through a lot. Me, we've, uh, we've overshot yeah. our hour, but um, we're yeah. happy to go on for as long. But um, yeah, guys, we'll sort the comments out for next week, and um, yeah, and then we'll get you some interaction. I don't know what happened today, but hopefully you found that value. Tomorrow we'll, uh, sorry, next week we'll have the. Um, we should, yeah, we should have the uh, inflation figures by then, so we can chat about them. That will actually be able to give us a decent indication of our um, strategy from here and see whether we need to change it, whether interest rates are going to rise, Bank of England is going to be under pressure, you know, and that sort of stuff. We'll also have what's happened in the midterm elections in the US to Ooh. see if the Republicans get it or don't get it or whether, I mean, from just before we came on, I checked and it was on a knife's edge. So, um, you know, so Republicans winning some. The red wave. Democrats. Sorry? The red wave never happened. Yeah, but the, the question is, is whether, yeah, whether it happened enough or not. But either way, we'll see yeah. whether there's actually going to be a, um, some civil unrest or whatever. You know, so, yeah. But, um, yeah, guys, well, um, yeah, thank you. If you've got any questions, by the way, guys, by all means, you know, um, phone in and, um, you know, speak to the team. Uh, email the team and we're happy to, you know, if you're looking at a portfolio of a strategy, you're looking for some confidence, you want to run the numbers, whatever you want to do to get you through this next period, you know, that's what we're here to do. We're here to help that out. Um, and obviously, if you're looking at expanding your portfolio, taking some advantage of um, some of the deals, you know, and developers are now starting to be realistic. They're starting to come to us and say, you know, um, hey, can we guys get some sales for us? And we're like, yep, we can. But you need to... Um, you know, give a little bit of our margin away um, to account for the fact that you're going to see through this period. They're doing that now. That is happening. That market has already, you know, taken place. Um, but there's a lot, I mean, the good thing is there's a lot of good quality property, great fundamentals, great regeneration. But unfortunately, it's not the whole of the UK that are benefiting from that. It is really, um, you know, your Londons, your Birmingham, Manchester. Don't discount London either because London actually still has fantastic fundamentals, you know, but yeah. Anything you guys want to add? No, that's it from me. No. no. Awesome, guys. Well, thank you. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you guys uh, next week. All right. Thanks Take very care, much. guys. See you later. Bye. See ya. Bye. Bye. Bye.